When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Dr. Leaf, and welcome to my podcast. Before we begin, I want to talk to you about something that I am very excited about, and that's my 2019 Mental Health Makeover Initiative. Each month, I'm going to tackle a specific problem, issue, and concept related to mental health. I'll be presenting you with the major issues in the current mental health system and how to find healing for yourself and a loved one. So starting in January, we will be tackling the issue of identity with a Perfect You book club. Why is identity so important as the first step to your mental makeover? Well, when you understand your identity and know who you are, the more likely you are to take control over your life and mental health. When you understand your identity, it gives you hope to change and motivation when times get tough. Understanding how you and your unique mind works will help you understand how exactly to make positive changes happen in your life. So for more information on on how to join this club, check out my Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and be sure to sign up for my weekly newsletter to get more tips and info on this mental health makeover. Other thing you can do is to be sure to subscribe to my YouTube channel for the weekly live discussions on the Perfect You book. And get the Perfect You book, which is on sale now at the moment, less 35% at drleaf.com. There is also an Audible and Kindle version available. So today we are going to talk about the problem of anxiety, the truth about anxiety disorders, and redefining anxiety. Anxiety disorders are a huge problem. We told in the, in the media that they're on the increase. And according to a very reputable survey called the National Comorbidity Study Replication, one in five Americans have met the criteria for an anxiety disorder over the past year, and one in three people will experience an anxiety disorder in their lives. On college campuses, anxiety surpasses depression as the central mental health problem. However, what is the problem actually? Is there not perhaps a widespread lack of appreciation of the expectable levels of anxiety that are part of our human condition? Just being alive and dealing with life on a daily basis, we have so many challenges. What is actually happening is that abnormal anxiety response to life events is being pathologized or medicalized. Anxiety is being categorized as a symptom of a disorder And that is driving the diagnostic numbers upwards. And this is based on what we call the incorrect biomedical model approach. So let me unpack this for you. So what I've just said is that we have these increased numbers in anxiety disorders. But actually, are we approaching it correctly? I don't agree with the way that the media is portraying anxiety. I don't agree that there's an increase in anxiety disorders. And I say this based on research, clinical experience, and along with a lot of other scientists who are researching this concept. What we need to look at is that we are humans facing the human condition. And that is that we are in life and life is full of challenges. And anxiety is a natural response that we go through when we are faced with challenges. 
It signifies a whole lot of things that are going on in our mind in response to life. Mismanaged, the anxiety can grow. Managed, the anxiety can go away. So when we take anxiety and it's reduced to a symptom just to be medicated away, the complexity of our humanity is reduced to us just being like an organism. So if you are anxious about something because you are in a new job or you have faced a major life event like the death of a spouse or you have a financial crisis or you're in a job that you're really not enjoying or it's just very difficult, you are going to experience levels of anxiety that the more that you don't deal with the issue, the, big, the more that they will grow. So to get a label, to go to a doctor and to describe your symptoms and to get a label that you have a clinical anxiety disorder and then to be given a med, some kind of medication to medicate it away is taking away your ability to actually deal with the complexity of that situation. As humans, we're actually very resilient and we are designed to deal with stuff. We're designed to process and deal with stuff. There is a very widespread lack of appreciation of expectable levels of anxiety that are part of the human condition. So if a child is leaving school and going into college for the first time, or as I gave the examples, you're in a difficult job, or you have a spouse that's potentially died, or you're facing some sort of crisis in your family, that is going to cause a natural level of anxiety. Instead of pathologizing or medicalizing that, we need to actually look at the, what the situation is and learn to cope with it. To categorize anxiety as a symptom of a disorder will drive diagnostic numbers upwards because pretty much all of us are facing different levels of challenges on a daily basis. This thing of labeling based on symptoms and then medicalizing it and giving medication that is based on what we call the biomedical model, which is the model that is used in medicine. It's the model that is used to diagnose if you have a heart problem or cancer or some kind of physical problem in your body. The biomedical model works extremely well for handling physical ailments of the body. When it comes to life, mind issues, us dealing, us in life as humans, all our complexity and the complexity of life, we can't apply the same biomedical model. And if we do, we're going to see what we see. We're going to see surveys being produced that are supposedly very accurate, that are supposedly telling us that the, the clinical disorder or the mental illness of anxiety is on the increase. Well, it's not, as I've been saying. Anxiety is a normal reaction to the events and circumstances of life. So what we need to do is redefine it or actually go back to what it always was. Because this change in seeing anxiety as a disorder happened around 60 years ago. Prior to that, it was acknowledged that life is tough and we go through hard times and we need to deal with it. What this current mental health model is doing when it comes to the challenges of life is it's not allowing us as humans to deal with our stuff. We see from scientific research that we have tremendous resilience within ourselves physically and mentally as humans to deal with stuff. Doesn't mean it's not going to be, I mean, it doesn't mean it's not that it's going to be easy. It's going to be tough. It is tough. But we are designed to process through those tough times and make that part of our story. It shapes us and it increases our character and our resilience for the next situation that we face. So when we suppress an emotion, the anxiety, we suppress some kind of situation that we're going through and we don't deal with it. Your body will go into, start, you will start experiencing anxiety. Your body will start reacting. Your sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system will start responding. You'll have toxic chemicals flowing through your body. 
you'll have your those those toxic thoughts will create neurochemical reactions in, in your brain and your body that will make you feel on edge. When you get those signals physically and mentally, when you start feeling that anxiety and that being on edge, that is your body telling you and your mind telling you that you need to acknowledge that something is going on in your life that you are potentially repressing, a repressed or suppressed emotion and thought. It is telling you that you need to deal with this. It's kind of like if you have a whole bunch of stuff that you've put into your closet and you've never actually, you never tied it up. You just keep stuffing more and more stuff in there and eventually the door breaks down and everything falls out. That's what we do when we suppress our emotions and we suppress our thoughts which, within which the emotions are contained that cause these feelings of anxiety. So if something's going on in your life, you can't just squash it or numb it with a drug. You have to express it. All the toxicity builds up and that increases the level, levels of anxiety and it makes you feel worse and worse and you'll start feeling physically ill and it'll start leading into depression and all kinds of other symptoms will start manifesting. When we have this anxiety, it's also a signal for us that we have ignored needs. Maybe we are doing, we just don't feel that we are achieving the level of meaning in our life that we, that we, that we instinctively as humans are designed to achieve. That our job maybe feels meaningless or what we're doing with our daily life maybe feels meaningless. Maybe you feel you've lost your purpose. That can cause anxiety. Maybe there's a sense of a lack of personal fulfillment. And these are potentially being ignored. And when you ignore them, it will lead to feelings of anxiety. The anxiety is signaling that you've either suppressed something or you are ignoring something. You see, humans are wired for love. We're wired to have purpose and meaning and personal fulfillment and full expression and connection and, in, and to, to express ourselves. We, we, we are designed to see things in our life and experience the joy and the love and the fear and, the, and talk about these things. So when we suppress them, we throw this equilibrium of our wired love, wired for love design, which is on a physical and mental level. We throw it into disequilibrium. Anxiety is a symptom of that. So when anything, when we, when we suppress or ignore or try and medicate away something, that equilibrium is thrown off. And we will experience the anxiety as a discomfort zone in our body telling us that something's wrong and it needs attention. That something of significance is being emotionally blocked or denied. Or that life-enhancing ways and sources of fulfillment are not being attended to. Dragging this into oblivion or suppressing it will make it worse. You're going to make the disequilibrium worse. Sometimes people will try and ignore the situation and use a positive affirmation or quote a scripture, but that's taking a band-aid approach because you can't put something on something without dealing with it. You have to deal with it and then you can use those alongside. So we are biologically primed to anticipate danger or anticipate that this is something that's going to disrupt your equilibrium and then we are wired to process that and rebalance it again. Let's take an ex a couple of examples. Let's take, for example, a freshman student going to college for the first time. This experience is so radically different from the sheltered home and school life that most have come from. Independ there's a whole new level of independence required. They've got to choose their own subjects and they've got to cope with living with different people and all the opportunities that they have to get involved in different things and exposure to different ideas and freedom and things that they were maybe never exposed to before. And this can cause, it not can, it will cause a normal level of anxiety. 
And it doesn't mean that by acknowledging the anxiety that it will go away. It means that by acknowledging the anxiety, you're recognizing the need to deal with this, the need to recognize that, hey, I feel like a bit out of my depth here. I'm unhappy with my choices. I'm not too sure about these friends. I'm not too sure about this independence. It's expressing it. It is facing it. It is acknowledging that it is so vital. Helping the student to acknowledge this is a, that this is a tough time and to verbalize that this is a normal reaction, that you may still feel bad, but you will get these ways of dealing with this. You maybe get into a study group or get into, go to a counselor and talk it through, but then that the bad time will come to an end, that the difficult subject will, that term will come to an end. It's this acknowledging and verbalizing that's very important. Another example, then I'll give you some summary tips of, of all of these concepts, is the fear of flying. Six out of, six to 25% of people fear flying. And it's kind of normal if you think, you know, being at extreme heights of 35,000 feet in the air, if you felt that from that site, you would, would result in certain, certainly result in death. And also being stuck in a restricted area where escape is impossible. It's kind of, if you think of it, it's not that unusual to be anxious in a, in a plane. But to do what the current mental health system does, and that's to label this as a mental illness called abiophobia and categorize it as a product of a disordered brain, is as crazy as labeling a, a young student who's entering into college, telling them that they have an anxiety disorder and, that they, and, and a disorder of the brain, and that's why they can't cope. That's not the way to solve it. It devalues the logic of the situation and, it's the, and, and doesn't give a person coping strategies. So what can you do to deal with anxiety? What are some tips that you can do to, to realize that this is actually something that you can cope with? Well, number one is to realize that the human condition is complex and tough and that it is quite normal to feel anxiety as we go through day-to-day -day life. Very important. That's the very first tip that I need you to really process. It's normal. Then the other thing is if we haven't dealt with something, if you've repressed something or suppressed something, or you haven't, don't feel fulfillment or purpose, you're going to have a nagging sense of anxiety. And that nagging sense of anxiety is telling you that you need to face this issue. So that leads to some, uh, the practical side of these tips. And that is acknowledge. Acknowledge that you're repressing something or suppressing something or ignoring something, or that you are, acknowledge that you are in a situation that you feel challenged by. So first thing, acknowledge. Second thing, talk, verbalize, express, get words attached to this so that you can define this for yourself and that you can define this for someone else. And as you're talking to someone else or writing it down or getting it into words, you are reframing it and giving it a description. And once you have a description of it, you understand yourself better. Other people understand yourself better and it's so much easier to do this. The next thing, which is take some practical steps to help you to cope. Like for example, if it's that student entering for the first time into college, get in a study group, get to a counselor, talk to your friends and see how they're feeling about it. If it is, if, you've, if it's the fear of flying thing, put on headphones, make sure you watch some movies, maybe take some melatonin to make you sleep. So in other words, get some, once you've expressed, acknowledged it and expressed it from the verbal expression where, it's, where you have more definition, you can then work out practical steps on how to overcome it. Anxiety needs a new narrative. Anxiety is something very normal. Anxiety is a signal telling us that we have something that we need to address in our life. Another thing I want to tell you about before I wrap up, and that will help so much with managing anxiety, is my new app called Switch which will be available for iPhone and Android devices 2019. It's an audio guided app that will help you find and identify the source of anxiety and reconceptualize and manage it. 
And right now we have a promotion going on where you can get 30% off a year subscription when you pre-order the app now, which as I said will be available early 2019. The link for the promo will be in the notes for this episode. Thank you for joining me today. I'm Dr. Caroline Leith.